0: Let's just get straight into what I believe the Lord wants to show us today. We've we've read here Psalm 67, verse 7. We're going to continue to look at the fear of the Lord as the game changer. And as I said last week, the greatest gift you can give anybody, any individual, or any community, or any uh, city, or any nation, or any people, is the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord... Changes everything. When the, when, when the fear of the Lord is present, you do not need evangelism as much. You know, thanks, cheers. You don't need evangelism. You don't need a lot of explanation. You know, really, all you need to t- teach them is how to pray the sinner's prayer and get saved. Because the fear of the Lord does all the work. And, you know, you don't need to persuade men when the fear of the Lord is present and so this nation needs britain needs the fear of the lord scotland needs the fear of all that and you know when david gave me that verse last week that as i said it detonated inside me again the burden that's always there but sometimes god will just touch you and that burden comes up again and becomes real again and so i've got scotland in my heart today folks really really do have scotland now it's not i don't have britain or i don't even have other nations but today I I, I really want to say this, all Scotland shall fear him, all of Scotland. And because that verse, and David knows this fine well, the ends of the earth, in scripture that term is used an awful lot, ends of the earth, uttermost parts of the earth. And it sometimes does mean, you know, the far flung corners of places, but it does have a specific geographical uh, location that's meant here to people who were in Israel at that time in the Middle East. The ends of the earth were really, technically speaking, the British Isles. And the Romans called the northwest part of Europe Ultima Thul, meaning the end of the world. And uh, it it was the north part of Scotland, the Orkneys, the Shetlands, and even up to Iceland and so on. The Romans had a a mindset or, or, or a concept that the further north you went, the more, the, the more sacred the land was. And I've shared this a few times, you know, we used to think, we were taught as kids that Hadrian's Wall uh, was built to keep the marauding pits from coming south. But in actual fact, many scholars now feel that Hadrian's Wall was built to keep people going north because they, want, they believed that Scotland was a holy land. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what that meant to a Roman and what it means to us, but we know it's a holy land because we know what we've just read in this dear land in days of yore. So God has moved mightily in Scotland since, well, the Celtic Caledi uh, Church, uh, and Columba, Patrick, all these things that you know, the, the Celtic saints, um, and uh, even even really before that, the the, the very early uh, days of Christianity. But certainly, uh, Knox, Peden, all these men. And in more recent times, Moody, Moody, who was a great inspiration to the people who founded this ministry here that meets still on a Sunday morning. So there's a lot of things that God has done over the course and a lot of prophetic words. So when I read this now, I read, God shall bless us and all of Scotland shall fear him because this is the ends of the earth, isn't it? In many ways. And we remember as well the wonderful, prophetic word of Jean Dornal, the message, the visions that she had about Scotland and how in the north part of Scotland, the very ends of the earth, revival would break out and come flashing down the east coast, go inland, and we're still to see the manifestation in full of that. We might have seen wee flashes of it, but I believe we're going to see it and hopefully in our generation in time. And add to that the covenant and visions, all the different people throughout the years that have seen Scotland as the catalyst of worldwide revival. All the ends of the earth shall fear him. So it has to begin here. It has to begin uh, according to Jean Dernal in the top part of Scotland. Um, but you know what? I'm believing that we're going to see it here in Glasgow and take it up to the north. Amen? Amen. Because you, you have to have a vision of revival. Yes. And so that's really and there's a lot of there's a lot of scriptures we'll just briefly look at some of them just just to, just to encourages psalm 65 uh, there's a lot more than this but we're just gonna look at a few psalm 65 verse 8 they also that dwell in the uttermost parts or the uttermost parts of the earth in some versions are afraid at thy tokens or thy signs thou makest the goings of the morning and evening to rejoice what is the psalmist is saying here is this and it's a psalm of David in the uttermost parts of the earth, the people will be afraid. See, we're not talking about fear of goblins, hobgoblins and ghouls and spiders and snakes. We're not talking about satanic-induced fear. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. We're talking about the fear of God, which is the only fear we ought to have, and the fear that cures all other fears. Amen? And it doesn't mean just reverence of God it can mean a terror of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I have the terror of the Lord. Amen. Nobody wants to get into God's presence unprepared. And you oh, well, I'm a Christian. That's good, but is your heart right with God right now? Amen. So we always ought to be living, you know, as Bill Johnson says, when the when the Spirit of God came upon Jesus like a dove, it never he never lifted. That dove never lifted. And the reason he never lifted is Jesus didn't do anything to frighten the dove away. And can we say the same? Can we say that our walk is so is so gentle before him that we don't grieve him and send him off? So, folks, we need to be living in the fear of the Lord. And it's not an old covenant concept alone. We're commanding the New Testament as well. So Psalm 65, verse eight, all the uttermost parts that say the same thing we just read. Then Isaiah says this, and remember, Isaiah speaks a lot particularly from about chapter 40 onwards to israel and the isles, or the ends of the earth so it's a prophetic word to god's people in our generation he says in uh, isaiah chapter 41 keep silence before me o islands okay and then verse 5 he says the isles saw it and feared the ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came out. Let me just say this to you, okay? When you're scared of something, you don't go near it. Mm-hmm. Am I right? You know, if, if some of you ladies, maybe some of you men, uh, are scared of spiders. We've got a guy in our church, terrified of spiders. Hey man, needs, needs that cast out. But anyway, if there's a spider there, you wouldn't go near Oh, there's a spider. I'm so terrified of them. I'm going to draw near to it and see what. it... No, no. You'd run. But the fear of the Lord is not a fear that makes you go away. It's a fear that draws you. Remember it says in the early church, when Ananias and Sapphira uh, died, uh, it says, great fear came upon. So that, and they didn't, dare, they didn't dare go near. Then it says, I think in the next verse, and, and folks were added to the church daily. Because that fear was, oh, startled. But with the fear of the Lord will draw you to him, not uh, throw you away from him. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You initially you might be, oh, 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 but then it's like, oh, but wait a minute, hold on. I fear him, but he has something I need. He, he is who I need. Amen? So the fear of the Lord is a magnet that attracts. So the Iles saw and feared. And that's what we're needing, folks. The British Isles to be feared. The people to be afraid. The ends of the earth were afraid. We need the fear of the Lord here in Scotland and the ends of the earth. And then it says, they drew near and they came. They helped everyone his neighbour and everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. In other words, they began to share the gospel with each other. I believe a lot of this stuff we're reading today is prophetic. And it's prophetic of our generation if we will be the generation that receives it. See, people say, well, God will do what God wants to do. Yes, he will, but he'll do it to a people who are ready to receive it. And I believe many generations have had the opportunity to be the generation, but they've passed it by because of religion, tradition, fear, whatever. The wrong kind of fear I'm talking about. The fear of man. Well, I'd like to get through with God, but I'm scared what the folks in the pews around me will say. Mm -hmm. Amen? So, but we need the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is, I don't want to miss out whatever God has for me and stand before him on that day of judgment. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but you could have had a lot more. You could have had a louder well done. Amen? That's my fear. It's not... are you scared you'll be cast into hell? Not if you're faith in the blood of Jesus. But what I'm scared of is, well, you could have had this reward, but I'm only giving you this one. Amen? So, the fear of the Lord. Now, Psalm 98, just look at a few of these, because I want, what I want you to see is God's purpose for the ends of the earth, which means God's purpose for the British Isles. And I believe it also covers the other lands, you know, like Australia, Canada, New Zealand, America, and so on. Psalm ninety-eight, verse three says, uh, "He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God." Well, I'd put that and say all Scotland will see the salvation. See, I'm I'm receiving this as a prophetic word. Amen. You know, when David shared that with me last week, and he actually, he gives me this verse all the time. You didn't mention this one, Dan. When he shares that message, something went off inside of me. Because that's our vision. Why do we gather? Do we gather because the cooking is so wonderful, the breakfast is so lovely? Well, I have to say, yeah. oh yes. Okay? But we're not gathered for that reason. Because we could just say, have a breakfast. Mm. Okay? We gather for a purpose. We're the gathering for a purpose. I'm going to share that purpose in a minute. But that purpose is that Scotland would see the salvation. You know, I'm going to say this to you. I believe this with all my heart. I believe when Scotland sees it, that will be a domino effect for all the rest of the nations. Amen? Amen? I mean, that's a prophetic message that's a prophetic word that's what gene darnell saw that's what richard cameron saw that's what all these uh, and many prophetic visions now i'm not saying that god doesn't have a purpose for other nations but i will say this that they won't see it until scotland sees it in its fullness so all the ends of the earth will see this and then finally let's look at sam 2 because you see well. What's it all about? Psalm 2, let's very quickly go there. I preach this psalm a lot. haven't really done it for quite a while, but I do normally preach it a lot. Why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? That's what we're talking about. Isn't it before the service? The vanity, the futility of what's going on. We're talking about Malaysia, Singapore, Britain, Scotland, all the different nations, how they're corrupt. Why are they corrupt? There's a simple reason, and the scripture reveals it. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together or conspire together. Oh, do you believe in conspiracies? Yes, because the Bible tells me there's one. The Bible says there's a conspiracy of national leaders and rulers. And what's the purpose? Against the Lord and against his anointed, which in Greek is antichristos, antichrist. It's an antichrist agenda saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. What bands? What cords tells us in Psalm 149? God's word. Okay? God's word, God's will. Because they don't want their laws based on God's law. God's book. They want to make up their own laws. And they want and that doesn't just include laws as in the legal profession that means uh science follow the science what they what they really mean is don't follow god's word follow up the science that we're going to tell you science we'll tell you how many genders there are (laughs) my god says male and female created nah 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 well i'll ask the question again i keep asking it how many genders in the animal kingdom do they have transgender animals do they have 78 genders of animals? No, they don't. Now, we're not animals, but we're superior to animals. Yeah. Amen. And the Bible says, male and female created he them. Now, there's a truth bomb right there. Mm-hmm. Amen. Male and female created he them. Mm-hmm. Let's break the band He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Notice that the Lord is not wringing his hands. Fretting. He's laughing. Why? Well, we would laugh too if we saw it from his perspective. Because they're so dumb. You only laugh at dumb people. Amen? You only laugh at stupidity. You know, we get uh, we get a lot of these memes, don't we, on in the internet? And so many of the, the, the great laughs you have with people doing dumb stuff. Amen? I mean, some it, It's quite... <laughs> we were laughing at one the other week there about a guy getting a one of these water slides and halfway down when he's still high up he comes flying out the water slide okay now i know you might say that wasn't dumb but but he looked like a dummy didn't he so the point is we laugh at stupidity well he that sitteth in the heavens you notice he isn't pacing up and down he's sitting people who are sitting are people at rest amen and people who are in control you don't walk in and the chairman of the company is pacing up and down or running about like a chicken with no head. Chairman sit at their desk and issue orders. He that sitteth on his throne in the heavens. But what I want to see, we can, we can read this, but we don't have time. The Lord said, or Yahweh said to, to me, meaning Jesus, thou art my son this day, have I begotten thee. This is verse 7. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen, which is the nations for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Oh folks, I'm excited, because that uttermost parts of the earth means where we live. Amen? We're in the uttermost parts of the earth, here in Scotland. Okay? You go north, you get in your car, you drive north, and you come to the end of the earth. Amen? Uh, And beyond that, it's just you know, I know there's a, the Orkneys and the Shetlands and you go that way, you go to Iceland the Greenland, but we are the ends of the earth. That the Hebrew mind would have understood us, Because the, the, the Hebrew was well aware of the British Isles and that this was the ends of the earth. And in, in other places, of course, it's isles or coastlands. Folks, we are his possession. Amen? So... Um, that's why we get excited, because all of Scotland shall fear him. All of Scotland, when we say fear him, what we mean is all of Scotland will have a consciousness of God and his presence. It won't just be the Isle of Lewis. Think of the Isle of Lewis and what happened there. I keep saying it, I said it last week, my friend Norman, walking along the road, not caring about anybody or anything, To sell I want no part of that revival, drunk as a skunk, and the next thing, bam, the fear of God hit him. He's on his knees on the roadside, not in a meeting, not listening to Duncan Campbell, not you're in amongst a praying bunch of women, but he was obviously being prayed for, but he's out there, and bam, the fear of God hit him. And he became a mighty, mighty man of God. A man who, when he opened his mouth, heaven came down. Saw it many, many times. Uh, you know, and if you ever listen to these folks that were actually in the Lewis Revival, and... and uh, and Hugh, Hugh Black was the one that had that there was something about the voice wasn't there something about the voice that, that, that had a heavenly timbre to it okay and folks that's what we're needing but not just in a wee island or, or in a wee few villages up in a remote part of the Hebrides we're needing that in these streets Amen. we're needing that in your street we're needing that in Sockie Hall Street so that you're walking down Silk so Street and it's not quiet because all the shops are shut and they've put a precinct in and there's less cars. It's quiet because the hush and reverence is the fear of God thick in the place. That's what we're needing. And I believe that's what God wants to give us. So what want you to let's go back to Isaiah chapter 60 because there's something I feel, what are we gathered for? The Lord said to me, have a meeting, call it the gathering and you know we, we gather because we want to see these things happen mm-hmm. but the lord gave me something this week that i want to just briefly share with you and isaiah 60 that's where we've been so we'll start there again arise shine for thy lights come and the glory of the lord has risen upon thee mm-hmm. um for behold the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness of people. What he's saying to you see is this. Have a look with your natural eyes but also your spiritual eyes and see what's round about you. Uh, we, uh, survey the terrain. Remember when uh, Moses when they were going to get the promised land they sent 12 spies in. Okay, now they didn't need to send the 12 spies in, but they sent the 12 spies in to see what they saw. And let me just say this to you, what you see with your eyes does not determine what is. It's what you see with your heart. Because the 12 spies saw the same thing, giants, with Anakim, whatever. Uh, But they they saw all the good stuff, all the, the, the wonderful fruit and everything else, all the bounty, the blessing, but they saw these giants. And they said, you know what? We're like grasshoppers in their sight." But, but you know what? As we discovered later, through Rahab, that's not really how the giants saw them. The giants were terrified of them. Weren't they? The people of the land were terrified of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. But the Israelites, they saw that they were grasshoppers. It wasn't that the giants saw them as grasshoppers, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. See, it's not about what you see with these eyes, it's what the filter is in here, isn't it? Oh, we can't do it, we're, we're, we, we, you know, they're, going to, they're going to slaughter us. But Joshua and Caleb were of a different spirit and they said, ah, I've missed problems, but we're well able. Now, if you say, I'm a Christian, I've got faith, then the Bible tells me faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So if you have faith, you have the victory right now. So everything that you see should be that filter of that's a problem, but we've got the victory. But so we we're talking about this this morning. So often, what comes out our mouths is that we don't see the victory; we see the problem, and the problem becomes bigger. And we forget we've got the victory mm-hmm. so he says but yeah there's darkness there you, you just need to look and you see it darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people and what that means is is that it's it's all over the earth but it's really in the people people are the pollutants they meant how do we know that if you go out into the wilderness if you drove up just now uh, and went up the Duke's Pass and went into the forest, it's not dark. Morally or spiritually, do you understand? Because it's just beauty. But you come in here to this part of the city, there's, there's great darkness. Why? Because folks are here. People are here. The darkness is, is on really on the people. And the people pollute the planet. Now, I know I'm beginning to sound like somebody that, you know, um, well, we we need to get rid of all the people then. That's not what I'm saying. We need to change the people and get the people cleansed. And how do we do that? The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is the thing that God has in his arsenal to eradicate evil. And, you know, you can preach to your blue in the face, Jesus loves you, this I know and it's it's true you'll reach some folks because folks are just open to that but not everybody is some people need the fear of god to hit them okay the folks that you don't win by the honey they need the fear of the lord so he says the darkness will cover the earth the gross darkness people but yahweh shall arise upon thee the lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee now what's the game changer the glory of God. Because the glory is seen upon them. Okay? But let me just say this to you. How are you going to see the glory of God without the fear of the Lord? There hasn't been one revival in history that there hasn't been the fear of the Lord. True revival. I said this last week. The, the 90s Toronto and Rodney Howard Brown Outpour and all these wonderful things. Brownsville, Brownsville was different because there was a strong fear of the Lord present. But the other one, that was part of it and it was great. And I'm not saying the fear of the Lord wasn't there. But what I'm saying is that one didn't really go out with the church. There weren't a lot of people saved. But a true heaven sent revival will have the fear of the Lord. And folks will, and it will draw people. Amen? won't just refresh it. If you've ever been in a revival atmosphere, nothing, nothing compares. But folks, what we need is the fear of the Lord. And the, the Gentiles, the nations shall come to their light, verse 3, and kings to the brightness of their rising. So the glory is a light that attracts the nations. And, and that's what we're talking about, the multitudes of nations, are our destiny, let's not be content with having a few folks in the in the meeting, having enough to keep a church going, paying the bills, you know, keep the will from the door, let's not be happy with that, let's not settle for that, we spoke a lot about that before, let's not settle, because we used to have a different vision in the church, and I know some of you remember that, but it was get folks saved, get folks saved, that was, why, because the more people saved, the more God gets glorified. But now it's not about get God getting glorified, it's about can we keep the doors open? So we've reduced the vision, not the Lord. There's more folk than ever on planet Earth right now, and we need to start believing that a whole bunch of them come into the kingdom because they're not here for any other reason. Well, they're just here to be fodder for hell. Well, if you believe that, you're a sorry state of a Christian. The nations shall come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up thine eyes round about and see. Now he's talking about different eyes. Now he's talking about prophetic vision. Now he's talking about the eyes of the inner man. When Jesus said. Say not ye. There's four months to the harvest. Stop saying the harvest is future. Stop saying God's going to do it one day. Stop saying. Oh yes one day I hope to see it before I die. He says say not ye. He says look the fields are white so it's a different set of eyes now it's the vision that David had way back at the first meeting of our eyes all of them coming from up and down that street cars people and as he said people from the government rulers kings now David didn't really know much about this verse did you this scripture he just had it in vision Folks, that's what we're needing to have. Mm-hmm. And we, we, have, we have word for it. We have scripture for it. It's in Isaiah chapter 60. We ought to live in Isaiah 60. If we live in Isaiah 60, uh, then, in fact, I'll put it this way. If Isaiah 60 lives in us, we'll live in what it says. We'll have kings come. We'll have nations come. We'll have the gathering of sons from afar and daughters from our side, we'll have the gathering, and let me just say this to you: It's not of Christians from other churches. Okay, and I'm not saying Christians from other churches won't come; they do come. The point I'm saying is, this is sons and daughters. This is harvest. This is get folks getting saved. Amen. Then thou shalt see. And flow together, verse 5, and thine heart shall fear. You see, you're not going to get this out with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the game changer. And let me just say it, I'll say it again, and he keeps saying it. It's not an emotion, it's not a feeling. Oh well, oh, I really feel you. I feel it. I feel it. I'll, I'll try and whip up that feeling. You know, it's like you go to a meeting and you hear about maybe an evangelist. Some like Reinhard Bonnke or some speaking about the burden for souls. Yeah. And I don't feel that burden. Well, you don't need to feel it. You just need to receive it. You receive it by faith. Believe you me, the feelings will come. Same with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a decision to walk in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Whether you feel like it or not. Amen. So, your heart shall fear. And being large, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee, the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. That forces of the Gentiles phrase means the wealth of the nations. But the word forces or the word wealth in Hebrew is kaira. And it has a double meaning. It has actually a multiple meaning. But it means wealth, riches, silver, gold, money, all that. It means that. Of course it means that. But it means the wealth of people. In other words, armies of people. That's what it means. That's what forces need. Hosts, armies, multitudes of people. See, multitudes of people, that's wealth to God. Amen? He, he already has all the silver and gold. The cattle and a thousand hills are his. All the physical stuff's his. What he wants is souls. That's the true wealth to him. That's what's precious to him. Jesus shed his blood for the forces of the nations in other words the people, the souls but he says they'll come unto us so we're believing for multitudes and we're believing for nations because that's God's will and purpose the multitude of camels shall cover thee well I'm not so sure about camels I'm just going to take that as well that's what they had then but the multitude of calves shall cover thee Amen. And you know, there's plenty of parking here. There's a lot of churches, there's no parking. But you can park, there's a lot of parking around here if you know where to go. And guess what? And, and, and praise God for this. But listen, praise the Lord. I hope nobody from the council listens to this. Because they actually planned, didn't they? They planned to meet all these streets. It was happening. It was, it was past. It was happening. And it's not happened yet. It was due to happen over two years ago, three years ago. It's not happened yet. I think they've abandoned the plans. Okay, and the good news as well is this emission zone, which in the name of Jesus shall not happen in the city. Well, that bypasses us too. You can bring your your old uh, smoky motor here. Amen. Hallelujah. You can pollute the air all around and you'll <laughs> not be charged for it. Amen. Well, you just make sure it's got an MOT, because don't say, well, pastor says... You don't need any more teeth to come to church. I don't Praise the Lord. He says here, hold on. multitude of camels shall cover the dromedaries of Midian and Epha. All they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Now this is what I want us to see. This is, what are we gathering for? And I'm not just talking about in this meeting, but one of the things that David said about that vision of all these people gathering, way back to that first night of our ice Scotland Friday night, he said it's not just for this church. It's for other churches. So the gathering, the concept, we—that's why we have this meeting. But folks, we're not just doing it so that we can have the multitudes. It's not just oh, our ministry, our church, you know, us four, no more. but we're, we're not thinking that. We want God glorified in the city of Glasgow Amen. and in Scotland and the whole nation because for his glory, not ours. Look what it says. All the flocks of Kedah shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Naboth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and this is what the Lord gave me this week, and I will glorify the house of my glory. I will glorify the house of my glory. That's what God's doing. That's what God, What's God up to? What's his purpose? He's glorifying the house of glory. His glory, not our glory. He's glorifying his house. Now let me just say this to you. A lot of people say, God will not share his glory with anybody. Well, what it means is you won't share the credit, but you certainly share the glory. But but by that, what I mean is we can bask in his glory. Amen. His presence, when you talk about his glory as his presence and his power, and his all of the beauties of it, Jesus said, as you've given me glory to me, give it to them. Now, we're not, we're not taking the credit. We're not taking the credit. He'll not share his credit. You know, we say, oh, well, you know, I was such a good preacher and all those folks came, you know, we had such wonderful meetings. <laughs> that won't get you very far in the kingdom. Amen? But, you know, a lot of, lot of, lot of ministers may be thinking like that, but I don't know. I don't want to think like that. But what I wanted, what what I do want is to be in the house of his glory. And he says, I'll glorify him. So we'll just be careful to always give him the glory. He'll see to it that we walk in his glory. I will glorify the house of my glory. I want to ask you a question. Uh, there's several facets to this. The house of God is another uh, n- way of speaking about the body of Christ or, or the, 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 the collective church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, the worldwide body, his house. There's, there are houses, if you like, individual churches and individual ministries, whatever. And, and the Bible actually even says that individually we are his house. Mm-hmm. Okay, the house, all these temple metaphors are in this already. Okay, that he speaks about. We can look at that another time. But we are his house and his, this body is his house your body is his house but when we meet together collectively we're the house amen and we're part of a bigger house and in fact the new new Jerusalem the house becomes a city the houses become a city the new Jerusalem it's all made up of living stones we're living stones Mm -hmm. and we're in a house and it it all becomes that glorified cube that we read about in Revelation the the city the eternal city the new Jerusalem and so he's glorifying the house of his glory we gather so that his glory can be seen upon us we gather to be receptacles of glory we gather positioned for his glory to come and fill us and it's not filling us just to make us have holy ghost goosebumps it's filling us so that we get those doors and you're going to liddle or Sainsbury's if you're posh, or wherever you go after this meeting, wherever you go, and to whomever you go, that glory goes to them. Hallelujah. And touches them, and they say, There's something about you. What is it? You go to church, don't you? Is that? Yeah, I'm coming on Sunday morning. Amen. That's happened to people, hasn't it? But it ought to happen all the time for every single person in this room. People should come to church. Not because they're told to, but because they look at you and go, my goodness, me, I can't miss out. Whatever's on their life, I need in mine. Whatever's in their heart, I need in mine. Because, and, and, you know, the fear of a lot now, when you talk about the fear of the Lord, when you pray the fear of the Lord upon people, you don't even have to invite them. They invite themselves. Amen? I will glorify the house of my... And I want you to see this to yourselves, folks. I am the house of glory. My body is a temple. I am the house of glory. This is the... This point to yourselves and say, this is the house of glory. Because we need the glory. Amen. Not that we lack it, but we need to see it manifest. And folks, so so do them out there. So do the people you've been praying for for 20, 30 years that haven't responded. When they see the glory rise upon you, yeah. your sons and daughters will come. Yeah. Then just let's finish this little section of then We'll go somewhere else and that's us. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as a doves to their windows? Doves don't fly on their own. They fly in crowds and flocks. Amen. He's saying, I'm seeing flocks. I'm seeing, I'm seeing crowds. And here's an interesting thing, talk about prophetic, I remember looking this up and there's something, don't ask me to explain it, I would need to look it up, but there's something in the Hebrew that the word Tarsis, the word Tarsis is connected, it's similar to a sound of doves it's connected to doves alright and well there's a whole bunch of stuff I won't get into it all connected with that but it's prophetic because look what it says in the next verse we'll we'll leave it here in Isaiah 60 surely the isles shall wait for me and again as I will say to you the isles meant to the people living at that time in the middle east they knew what the isles were okay we're in the british isles it's quite astonishing actually if you look at how many islands are in the british isles. we live in the mainland we don't really think about the isles but there are loads of isles it's the british isles and by the way that includes ireland amen Surely the isles shall wait for me, or wait upon me, and the ships of Tarshish first. Okay? The ships of Tarshish first. Now, I've probably shared this with you. If I haven't, or some of you haven't heard it, I'll do now. Tarshish. In the Septuagint. Which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. You can look this out for yourself. Google it or if you have a copy of the Septuagint. Tarshish in the Septuagint. Has its alternative rendering. Which is Tharsis. Amen. Tharsis. Okay. Tharsis in the Septuagint, it's another way of spelling Tarshish well folks, our church is in Tarsis street amen, and if it was spelled a different way it would be Tarshish street yeah. it says the ships of Tarshish shall come first okay the ships of Tarshish first, now when you hear, you read about ships let me, let, let me explain a wee bit about that ships speak about Apostleship. Ships are sent. Aren't they? The ships of Tarsus were sent for a purpose. To bring goods. And the word apostle actually literally means um, somebody who sends ships. So folks, I believe what God, what we can deduce from this right now, prophetically, extrapolate from it, is that God has a purpose for what we're doing here in fast history an apostolic purpose to send amen in other words and, and listen long before i ever appeared on the scene people have been sent from here am i right amen. sent throughout scotland sent throughout the earth you know wherever you go we, we, we talk about it a lot don't we that you know people will sometimes you get occasional letter from somebody and they'll say or you know, my granny went to Foundry Boys. She left you this money. Or I went when I was a you know, and they've got the far flung corners. In fact, Mary Ann Clough's was it great, great, whatever, his grandson. Just before the pandemic, he was due to come that year and couldn't come because of COVID. And he's he's a he's a minister down in New Zealand because she moved there to the ends of the earth down that way. So folks, you know. When God writes his word, it's not just, you know, lovely poetry. It's prophetic. And we can take from it the prophetic meaning to our generation. Amen. So the ships of Tarsus first. Now watch this. To bring thy sons from father, silver and their gold with them, unto the name of the Lord thy God, unto the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. So we believe in God here in the garden, for God to make what we're doing here, a house of his glory, but it's not just for us, folks. We're believing that for genuine ministries and churches throughout Scotland, throughout Glasgow. Amen. We're believing it's the work of God, it's the kingdom. It's not Bill McMurdo, it's not just us, our we band. Okay? We're believing for, for this Isaiah chapter 60 generation, as others are, as others are. In different parts of the world. Bill Johnson preaches a lot from Isaiah 60. Other men and women do too. So it's not just for us, but I I don't know about you, I want to be part of it. And I tell you this right now: nobody else had a church on Farsa Street. Glory to God. Amen. Bill Johnson has Bethel and Reading and they all but they don't have Farsa Street. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. So they can have their house of glory, but we're having a house of glory right here, right now, in this place. Amen? Amen. And we're believing that God will bring people who want to be part of the glory. His glory, not our glory. You know, we don't have smoke machines. We don't have a lot of fancy stuff that a lot of fancy trendy churches have. Amen? I don't care if the glory of God is in an old cow barn. Yes, it's a whole lot better than sitting in plush. You know, seats are nice, but it's a whole lot better than sitting in some air conditioned hotel room, you know, and we've got all the Mod Collins and we've got all the. And we've got the best sound system in, in Scotland. Folks, the best sound system in Scotland is the angelic wire. And if you and I are hearing that in the glory, amen. Anyway, so let's just close with this very quickly uh, and Joel, uh, sorry. Haggai Because I want to see the, I want to show you this theme of being the house of glory Hagai. And just to let you know where Haggai is It's on page Sorry, hold on Yes, Haggai chapter 2 is on page 1262. You, have we got it? Have they got it Yeah. Second month, the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josodic, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of?' comparison of it is nothing. what he's saying to them is this do you remember solomon's temple that was destroyed yes. some of you old enough to remember them? that's that's what he's saying okay because some of them were some of them remembered that as we so they would be well into their seventies or whatever by this point and they're trying to rebuild this temple but solomon let's be honest the solomonic temple was it the eighth wonder of the world or something and it's like the lord's come to us tonight do you remember the glory days of old do you remember what it used to be like in the 40s the 50s the 60s the 70s the 80s in the church in scotland we just spoke about the great move of god in the 90s churches full and but not a lot of people can not say but anyway it was, it, we remember church some of you remember this church full of every meeting do you, remember the, do you remember the glory of the old temple? The old foundry boys? Or the old apostolic? I remember the apostolic church, the conventions, the New Year conventions. My goodness, you thought you had died and floated up in the heaven. Do you remember those days of glory in the past? Who's left among you that saw this house in our first glory? the Lord's say. And how do you see it? Now is it not your eyes comparison done? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, Babel, saith the Lord, and be strong with Joshua, son of Josedic, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, saith the Lord, and what for I am with you, and then so on. But what look what he says here, verse six. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Let me just say this: the sea, the shaking has to come. The shaking comes first. Okay? We don't like the shaking. Nobody likes the shaking. Unless you know what God's up to and then you can can receive it uh, gladly. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations or the treasure of all nations shall come. Look what he says. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Similar to what he says in Isaiah 60, I will glorify the house of my glory. I will fill up the glory. He's not talking about Solomon's temple. He's not talking about the temple they were building here in Zerubbabel and the others to try and get some kind of meeting place. He's not talking about Herod's temple. He's not talking about a temple made with bricks and stones or a temple made in your hands. He's talking about this temple your body, us collectively, the body of Christ. He's talking about the the last day's temple, the last day's house, the house he's talking about in Isaiah chapter 60, which is you and I. He says, I'm going to fill it with glory. Now, when they filled Solomon's house with glory, my goodness me, the glory was seen. The priest couldn't stand to minister. The Queen of Sheba came, people came, kings came from all over the, the, the known world because there was something going on in Jerusalem. There was glory happening and it was happening in this house where they said God's very presence dwelt. We can't go in, we're Gentiles, we can't go in, we're not Israelites. We can, But we can get near and we can talk to the man who built it. We can give him tribute. We can receive of his wisdom and go back blessed. Out of our socks back to our own countries and be better kind in of our own countries because we've just been in touch with the man who built the temple of glory that fills that's filled with glory, and that in that we room that, that, that room in the Holy of Holies, God's very presence dwells above the mercy seat. Oh, yeah. Well, folks, there is no temple like that anymore. Because that Shekinah glory is in every one of us. And we, you don't have to travel across the world to come to meet us we're going out you can meet us in asda or you can eat us meet us (laughs) meet us in march and spencer or meet us as we're walking down the street but whenever you find somebody who the glory is in them and can be seen upon them then you come into contact with somebody who lives it the person who lives in them is greater than solomon and the presence of god is in their temple so there's now millions of temples across the earth millions of houses that house the presence and the glory and they are collectively one big house called the body of Christ but folks if we don't see the glory because we're all biting and devouring one another and attacking one another and stabbing each other in the back there's no glory in that Amen. there's no glory in betraying your brothers and sisters in Christ or belittling them or pulling them down or bad-mouthing them. You know why? Because that thinking, sad thinking is death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. But if you get into the Church of Philadelphia, and the Church of Philadelphia is what Isaiah 60 is talking about and what Haggai is talking about is the house of his glory. It's the house where the glory is because the love of God, the love of the brothers is there. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. They walk and they look at us and go religious freaks, holy roars. Don't they? But when they see the love for the brothers they're real disciples of Jesus. There's glory in that. He says the silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of this house, Lord of hosts, sorry, and we will close with this. And the, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. The latter house is you and I, and is greater than Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple took, in modern day terms, billions upon billions of pounds to build. It was covered in gold, the best of materials, covered in gold. It's not about physical gold folks, it's about the glory. He says the glory of this latter house shall be greater than Solomon's temple. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. There's no peace for planet earth until the temple, the glory of the latter house is seen on planet earth. And they haven't seen it. All they see is a bunch of buildings and what they see is a bunch of hypocrites. A bunch of religious people coming out of those churches, looking down their nose at them. That's what they see. But folks, when the glory shows up, that's what they'll see. And you and I need to say, Lord, I want to be part of that house of glory. I want my body to be a house of glory. I want the folks I fellowship, all of us, well, i are going to say it, Lord, make us a house of your glory. Amen. Amen. Then you won't have to hand out tracts. Then you won't have to invite people. Then you won't have to evangelize. These things are wonderful. We ought to do them. I'm not saying not do them. You won't have to do them in the day his glory is seen. And folks, it's just it's not about twisting God's arm to do it. He's more willing and eager to do it than you and I could ever muster. It's receiving it and walking in it. Amen. So let's, and, and you know, this is all connected because. Believe you me, on that day they'll fear the Lord. And they'll fear the Lord because they'll see the glory. Praise the Lord.